Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. I want to welcome you to Cobblestone. I've been here about 16 years. I'm a pastor. My name's Andrew. And it is an honor, like truly, and I mean that, to be here, uh, to open up the Word of God and to talk about it. Uh, it, it's kind of a weighty thing because the Bible is really clear that those who teach will be higher judged. And so really, as I stand before the Lord, I can't do it out of fear for you. I got to do what the Lord tells me to do. And so I want to invite you into a, a three things. We're going to get into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, maybe 4 and 5 today. So if you have a Bible, head that way. If you don't have a Bible, along this wall, there's some blue Bibles. I want to, you to have a Bible uh, and be in the Word of God today. Uh, what we do here, we read the Bible through the week in our reading plan, and then a guy like me, an elder, a pastor, preaches from whatever we read that week. Uh, so it's a little bit of structure and then a little bit of like, all right, Lord, what do you want to say from those texts? We believe primarily three things we yell a lot. We believe, number one, that this whole thing is about Jesus. And if it's not, we should get a different hobby. If Jesus isn't here, there's no power. If Jesus isn't here, there's no salvation. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I don't know what we're doing. But Jesus did rise from the dead. And so we want you to meet and encounter and know Jesus. Because I don't know if you know this, we actually didn't gather in this room to remember something that happened only 2,000 years ago. We gathered in this room to celebrate something that God's doing right now. Saving, healing, restoring, moving, leading. That's not 2,000 years ago. That's like right here in this moment in reality. Our Savior's real. And you can know him. And now, so to demystify that idea, I had one of those moments happen to me in the last week. So I love the churches of Oxford. I, I got saved, I grew up at OBF, Oxford Bible Fellowship, and I got saved at a summer camp there because uh, my mom shipped me off to camp when I got caught with a bunch of stuff I shouldn't be caught with. So I met Jesus. I love OBF, and I love Oxford Vineyard, and I will regularly go to their things. Uh, I go to a lot of prayer events. Anybody? Okay, cool. Right over. I went to a prayer event. It was at an OB. Uh, John Richter, who's like seven foot tall, uh, I'm just sitting there to, just watching people get prayed for, and all of a sudden, John Richter's in my, my bubble. Anybody else have a bubble? Like, I have personal space issues, don't get in mine. And all of a sudden, he had his hip in my rib, because that's how tall he is. And I'm like, ah. And all he did, he said, I was praying, and I felt like God wanted me to come pray for you, which is what we do here. We pray for each other. We love each other. We encourage each other. And he's a pastor, so I was like, okay, good. He puts his arm around me, and he hugs me, and I don't know what it was. He just said, the Father loves you. And I know that sounds like a normal thing. I could say it to you, hey, guys, the Father loves you. Anybody weeping? But I wept. Like, I was like, I don't know what it was. It was like a, I know what the word says, that God so loved the world, but I think that was a moment, what we're trying to do here. Love the word of God. Know it, exalt it, share it, preach it. That was the Holy Spirit applying the word to my heart. So he grabs me, I start crying, because I was like, it's kind of weird, but it was just like, it was cool to have like an older man, like just be like, I love you, you're good. And maybe that's a father wound, Jeremiah. Um, and then he said, and as I'm listening to the Lord, the father wants you to know he sees how much you love him. And I lost it. Then he starts weeping. And I'm like, what is going on? All right? 
And so what I think it revealed is I had in my head kind of just started to believe that if I give good sermons, God likes me better. And I, if, if I pray a lot, then God's really proud of me. If, if I lead someone to Christ this week, then I earned it. But that's not the gospel. Do you, I want you to encounter Jesus and not, not the pretty duck version because I'm, I'm almost 97% sure I can get most of you at one point in time right now. It's like, God loves you. You'd be like, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't deserve it. That's the point. We don't earn it. We receive it. And I love Jesus. Anybody else love Jesus? Oh, I love Jesus. I love everything about him. I want you to meet him. And I don't mean like memorize some facts or know some stuff about him. I want you and him to be good friends. And when Jesus walks into a room or Jesus walks into a life, it changes. He brings peace to stormy seas. He brings healing to broken bodies. He brings salvation to dead souls. This is the God that we have gathered in the name of. And so when we gather, I'm always just like geeking out like, what's he gonna do? And I always am like, God, do the mountain-sized thing. But sometimes all he wants to do is be like, son, I see that you love me. I love you too. So I don't know what you need this morning, but I don't want you to walk out of here the same. Because what we're going to do today is a thing that we, 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 we yell it. We could almost tattoo it on ourselves. We, believe, we say it so much. We are a church that is taught by the and led by the Spirit. Like we say it all the time. We're like, yeah. That's our motto. Um, I almost want to say, what's the motto with you? Tomato joke. Okay, so taught by the word though, right? Taught by the word. And here's the thing. I know we have different backgrounds. So when I say taught by the word, some of you are like, yeah, taught by the book, right? Well, here, here's the reality. We are people of the book. If it says it, we should do it. But here's the reality. Teaching the Bible is not that hard for me anymore. That's not pride. That's just, if you do it long enough, you get kind of good at it. I'm not that great, but whatever. And then hearing the word becomes so normal that we cannot realize that we're not doing it. And so twice this morning, I listened to David Bear during first service and this service. He started praying things like, God, don't let us just hear the word, let us do it. And that's really what I felt from the Lord. So if we wanna be a church that says, we're taught by the word, I wanna give you permission to try to do it to all of your ability. What I mean is, don't just hear it, do it. Hear it, then do it. And it's almost like we have to make a commitment to not just love teaching. Here's the thing. There's like 1,700 podcasts that you could listen to that are better teaching than you're about to get. You could load every day of your week up with another teaching and not do any of it. And so the word of the Lord today is, yes, taught by the word and led by the spirit. That's what we do here. But as we hear it today, we're gonna be confronted with, I don't do that so well. And that's an invitation then to apply not only just our will to serve the Lord, but to allow the Holy Spirit to produce in us what we're lacking. That's what the word does. It shows us where we're lacking so God can fill it up. We are taught by the word. Now here's the thing about teaching. Teaching is not just hearing. You know that, right? I learn best if you not only show me it in a picture, but you're like, come, I'm gonna show you. Like, if I was like, here's a diagram about a shoot a bow and arrow. 
That'd be one thing, right? You're like, are you going to give me a bow and arrow? Maybe, if you need one. But uh, you know how I would really learn? If I put a bow and arrow in your hands, and I was like, like this is how you pull it, this is how you load it, that would be teaching into learning. I want you to learn the things of God. And learning sometimes is really a teaching's going to happen today, but then if you don't know how to share the gospel, we and I, we should go roam Miami and just find random college students to try to share the gospel with them. We'll, we'll mess up a bunch. They'll ask us questions we don't have answers for. We'll probably say something stupid at one point and be like, Ugh, you know what I mean? But we'll learn. If you don't know how to pray, come join me on Wednesday night in that prayer room. I learned how to pray by going in a room with people that were prayers and watching. And then being like, now you pray. And I'd be like, I don't know what to say. That's how I learned. So it can't just be, I memorized the book. I want to do the book. I want you to do the book. Really, the call of God on my life is that I am to equip you. Did you know that? So everybody point to a minister in the room. Point at one. Who's pointing at me? Great. I'm pointing at you. You should be pointing at you. Every one of you could point to anybody else in this room that says they belong to Jesus because biblically, remember, taught by the word, you are ambassadors of a kingdom that doesn't belong to this earth. Biblically, you are a son or daughter of God adopted into his family, and he made you ministers of the gospel of peace, which means you're the minister, not me. I'm the equipper. My job is to take empty hands and put in them the sword of the Spirit, to put in them a tactical, real life, how do we do this godly thing, then you go minister. You go pray for people. You go share the gospel. You go get to join in the kingdom of heaven, destroying the kingdom of Satan. That's fun. But the problem is we, we kind of came to, well, your job is to tell me a nice sermon so that I feel good about going to church. No, my job is to tell you to go destroy the works of the devil and then show you how to do it. And then if you don't feel strong in it, you come with me and I'll show you how to do it so you can. So that's taught by the word and equipping, but then there's this led by the spirit piece. And this is what I know. If I was just like, all we're gonna do is taught by the word, some of you in the room would be like, yes. And then I get to led by the spirit, my led by the spirit people in the room, you're like, that's right, led by the spirit. You just wanna slap somebody in the forehead and get all tonguey up in here. That's a real word. That's a verb, tonguey. I understand that. Here's the reality. How I'm wired and how this church is gonna be, we will be taught by the word and led by the spirit because I believe where those two things meet, you have revival. You have the power of God because the word of God is true. It's sharp, it cuts, it's powerful to destroy strongholds. And the spirit of God is what Jesus said was for our good. You know why I love the Holy Spirit? Because the Bible tells me so. You know why I want to be led by the spirit? Because Jesus told me to in the book. You know why I think God can heal? Because the book says so. You know why I think God can speak? Because the book says so. You know why I love gathering? Because the book says that when we gather, he's here, right here in the midst of us. That's why I love it, because I'm taught by the word and led by the spirit, and they are not at odds, and we are wedding them. They are getting married, going to a wedding, going to get married. We're not divorcing those two things. 
So will you let me try to equip you just for a moment? Some of you are about to get a little bit, you'll feel a little weird. It's not weird. We're just going to do biblical Christianity. Can we do that? All right. So I want you to assume a prayerful position, unless it's weird. So don't get weird. So I just mean, I have to close my eyes so that I don't get distracted. If you need to close your eyes, maybe even lay your hands out, I'm going to invite God. God's real, right? So we can know him. And I'm going to invite his godness into this room. So we know it. And maybe some of you, it'll just be peace. Maybe some of you, you'll start shaking. Maybe some, I don't know. It won't make me anything, but it might be everything. So Father, we give you the attention you deserve. That every cell of creation points to you. And so Father, I ask that your godness would invade this room. that the knowledge and the presence of the Holy Spirit would come and that you would minister to every heart, that they would be introduced to Jesus who is not an idea, he's a person. Come, Lord, make yourself known. Come stir up the hearts of your, your people to love you, to say no to sin. Make this a holy moment So I'm going to attempt to equip you guys, you can stay in that prayerful mind, uh, to equip you to pray for somebody that needs healing. So what I need, though, is a willing person who actually needs healing to come up here and be willing to share with this church what they are, who they are, what their need is, and let me pray for you. Not because I'm great, because I want when you encounter somebody that needs prayer, you know how to do it. That's equipping, right? So is somebody in here, maybe you're suffering, maybe you've got a physical ailment, and you want healing? Are you in the, anybody? Maybe nobody. Great. Kate, can we do this? Are you going to do, yes. Everybody say, thank you, Kate. You didn't think this was happening today. I didn't either. So until I was praying. Here's a table. You start to pass out. Okay. Uh, I'm Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi. Uh, I woke up yesterday morning with terrible neck pain mm -hmm. and uh like shoulder kind of like neck going into my shoulder mm -hmm. so i'm gonna help like so if i didn't know kate came up to me and she's like hey will you pray for my neck from <laughs> ron i'd be like hi i'm andrew who are you kate kate right but i know kate i'm just saying like we don't have to be weird like i'm gonna get that <laughs> neck pain you know what i mean that's not what we're doing here we are literally loving people like jesus jesus loved people right Hey, Kate, how are you? What's going on? She told us what was going on. How long has it been going on? Like Since yesterday. Since morning. yesterday? Uh, Is it a, like an accident happen? Um, or? I woke up from sleeping like that. That's called being old, <laughs> Kate. Know. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> all right? Just kidding. I do that too. And so all we're going to do is it's not about what I say. It's about who I'm talking to, right? So we get all caught up in, well, she might get healed. She might not. But if she gets healed, I guarantee you, you won't feel weird anymore. And I guarantee you, she'll be like, thank you for being weird, Andrew. Okay? So what I'll be like, Kate, is it okay if I put my hand on you? And so I want to ask permission. And I want to do that because here's the reality. I'm not trying to put my hands on her so I can touch her. I believe the Holy Spirit's in me. I believe the Holy Spirit's in you. So when I touch Kate, who's touching Kate? That's a good thing. All I'm going to do is say, God, come and heal. Okay? So if you all want to stretch out a hand or pray for Kate, can you start praying for Kate? We're just going to walk this out, all right? 
all I'm going to ask you is just be open. And then let me know if anything, feel anything, hear anything, see anything. And if you're going to fall over, please kneel. Okay. Jesus, I thank you for Kate. I thank you that you love her. And I ask for you to come minister to her. I ask for the healing power of God to work in her body. That the authority of Jesus over every cell and even the pain in her neck would be gone right now. I ask you, Father, to come minister to her. Thank you, God. So I leave Kate there. Kate, you just sit, hang out with God, okay? What I did is I invited God to minister to her. God's doing whatever God's doing. You see that? God's doing things. My job is not to contrive that or make it up. My job is to go, yes, God, do that. So when you're praying for someone, you're not the catalyst. You're just the catalyst. You're just like the go-between between God and people. So all I want you to do is then I always listen because I believe God speaks because the Bible says he does. God, what do you want me to pray for, Kate? which is what I'm doing right now, but I'm talking to you. And so, okay, God, I just, I bless what you're doing in her life. And I ask for peace. I ask for a restoration of joy and a, the life, the resurrection life of Jesus right now would come up in her, in her, in her, in her spirit. We entrust her kids to you. You gave them to her, but they're really yours. So, Kate, you feel anything? Is it a lot better? Okay, we'll do one of those. Hey, is it? Yeah, I, I couldn't do that this okay. morning at all. All right. So. Would you say, like, it's, yeah, it's like a lot better. Is it really? Yeah, it really Holy crap, I'm getting a little freaked out. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Is it like better, better? Yeah, you keep testing it, but that's like, yeah. <laughs> we'll go over here. Yes, Lord. Okay. All right. Well, then, uh, I'll just, can I hug you? All right. Hey, we love you. God loves you. Thank you for being bold. You want me to give me that back, or you want to say something? All right. Kate, go have a seat. Everybody say thanks, Kate. Now, here's the thing. If Kate comes back later and she goes, nah, I think it was just in the moment, I felt some endorphins. It didn't actually get healed. My faith's not ruined, y'all, and neither is hers. But what if that was the moment where God wanted to apply peace or just touch her like God touched me at the vineyard the other day? Well, then I just joined God in doing what he wanted to do. And it's awkward. I've messed this up so many times. I've not seen anything happen, but I've seen a lot happen when the people of God will trust that their Savior is strong, that he truly does love people, and he wants to move in their life. So here's the thing. I prayed for Mark Fitzgerald first service. Mark has Parkinson's. Mark's still shaking right now. Makes me mad. I'm like, oh, I hate that that still got him. But I watched the peace of God come on Mark, which is probably what Mark and Deb, his wife, need. Parkinson's is hard. And so we prayed for two people today, saw some relief there, and saw the peace of God come on a man that really desperately needs it. Was it worth it, making you all feel awkward? 100%, I'm gonna do it again. Great, let's be that church that's taught by the word. Why? Because the word's full of those kinds of stories. Jesus healing people, praying for people, 
blessing people. And the word, the word is full of people being led by the Spirit of God. You can do this too. I can do this. Do you feel a little bit equipped? You're like, I don't know. Well, here's the challenge. Pray for one person this week. Doesn't have to be for healing. Just for anything. Just, I dare you. I double dog dare you. I triple dog dare you to pray for one person this week. At the water cooler, at the gas station, what should come out of this church this week is like, those people at Cobblestone are weird. Really what should come out of this place is those people at Cobblestone take this really seriously. They believe God is his word. And so talking about his word, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter five. We're talking about the will of God. Anyone ever ask, what's the will of God for my life? David Bear's the only one, perfect. <laughs> what's the will of God? And I always have younger people, usually college age, about right around senior year, you start to have a collective freak out. Because you're like, should I take the job in Florida? Or should I take the job in Denver? What's the will of God? You ever have that moment? You're, maybe you're having that right now. You're like, stop making fun of me. I had that moment. Everybody and their mom has that moment, yeah? So when we ask, what is the will of God? We first have to acknowledge, does God have a will? Okay, do you have a will? Do they match up all the time? No. So number one is God has plans, God has a mind, God has a will, God has desires, God has things he wants to produce in you and a direction that if you could follow or not. Now, I don't think it's as heavy-handed as you think, and there's twice in the book of 1 Thessalonians where he says, this is the will of God for you. Now, I always take notice in the Bible when it tells me what the will of God is. Because I'm literally like, I don't even have to like, try to figure it out. What's the will of God? No, I just literally, the Bible tells me. It tells me what the will of God is. And so if it's the will of God, God wants to produce what we're going to read about in you. So when we talk about hearing and doing, let's get serious about hearing and then doing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 26. Greet all brothers with a holy kiss. Let's get to work. I did that on purpose. I just think it's hilarious because I thought all of you would have a collective freak out. Like I really did. Like we're going to walk this verse out now. We just prayed for somebody. Let's kiss each other. And I know some of you bros would be like, and this is where I draw the line. I'm leaving. So, okay, so here's the Bible at the end of a letter to a people. And they are a people that have been loving well, serving well, and they know, they believe in their hearts. God's coming back soon, but they've also had some people die. And they're like, what, what, where's the Lord at? And I, they're struggling with keeping on and fighting the fight of faith. And he ends the letter with, greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Now, I believe all the Bible's true. Should we do this? Should we, should we be kissing? What my wife said, sure. I was like, yeah, girl, what up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, so when you walked in the front door, should we have kissed each other? And here's what I think we're gonna, I'm gonna push on a little bit. Not that we kiss each other, so you can just like, whew. But that we love each other in a way where the holiness and the reality of God is in how we greet, love, and care for each other. So in a different culture, if I go to Spain, you know how they're gonna greet me? If I go anywhere else other than America where we greet each other like this, you will be greeted with a kiss, maybe some bread and some wine, and, a, and an actual embrace. And he says, so for the people of God, greet each other in a way. Who's a person when they walk into your house, you're like, I'm so glad to see you. And you hug them. And it's not a fake hug. It's not one of those bro hugs where you like shake in the front to have a little gap. That hug, I'm not talking that. I'm talking like fully like, 
I love you, I'm for you, I see you. I, oh, that, that thing. Greet each other that way. That's harder, right? Because half of us in this room don't like each other or don't know each other. And surely you are like, I do not want that with you. But the people of God are so full of the love of God, they want to pour it out on everybody, especially the people that are in the family. Greet each other with a holy kiss. So now I'm done fooling around with holy kissing. Go to chapter four. Go to chapter, chapter four, verse one. He's going to say the statement, this is the will of God for you. He's going to tell them what the will of God is for them. Uh, and it's actually one word, which makes it really simple for people like me that like to complicate it. Verse one. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So he's like, hey, we taught you how to live for the Lord. And you're doing it. In fact, he's like, he's kind of like, keep doing it. Keep fighting. And here's the reality. The Christian life is hard sometimes. No one tells you that at like the, the pre-meeting. But then you get into it, and you're like, this faith stuff is hard. Because life hits you, cancer happens, job loss happens, and you're like, ugh, ugh. So he's like, no, 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 keep fighting. Keep serving, keep loving, keep trusting, keep in the faith, trust God. And then in verse three, like I told you, for this is the will of God. You should circle that, underline that. If you, anyone ever asks you what's the will of God, you actually are gonna have an answer now. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. So we'll start at the top. This is the will of God for you. What is it? Sanctification probably a word you use every day of your life, yeah? We don't. And it's just a big fancy word for there's a moment of salvation. Jesus saved me when I was 17 on an island at a youth camp, and I know that my soul regenerated, and I began to love the things of God. Except for I'm still stuck in this sinful body. I still have a mindset that sometimes thinks like old Andrew, and so I am this on the regular being conformed, being challenged, and being convicted and made more and more holy like the one who saved me is holy. In the Bible, God is credited with one thing three times. Do you know what that thing is? So God is never called love, 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 or peace, peace, peace. But he is called holy, 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 which just means real holy. I know that's real deep. That's literally, it's, he is the embodiment of otherness, purity, glory, and power. He's holy holy, holy. And the Bible makes it real clear that the ones that say they belong to God will walk in holiness. And every once in a while, I need to be reminded that it's not so much, I can spend hours in the prayer room and I can go out and share the gospel with everybody, but if I'm not walking in holiness, I'm not walking in the will of God for my life. So I'll ask some questions. Are you walking in holiness? Are you walking in purity? Because he says that in a couple steps here. So he starts with, and it feels, it feels real practical, 
If you want one of the most practical books of the Bible, 1 Thessalonians is it. It's going to go so far as to say, if you don't work, you should not eat. It's going to say, work hard. It's going to say things like, hey, don't give up hope and sit around. That's real practical, right? That's not like floating up in the third heaven. That's just literally work hard, love people. And so he starts with, if you're going to honor God in this process of sanctification, you're going to walk in holiness, which your Bible might say, this is the will of God for you, holiness. Anybody's Bible says that? Okay, same word, same root word. Be holy as the Lord your God is holy. He starts with one practical thing, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Why would Paul start there? Because in his day, and I think in ours, which is a good parallel, everyone seems just super interested in how many people they can sleep with. That's our world today, is it not? Maybe I'm not jiving with the culture. Everybody in the world right now is like, it's not a big deal who I sleep with. In fact, I'm going to sleep with as many people as I can. But in the body of Christ, those who belong to Jesus and have been saved from their sin, he says, I want you to abstain, not join in in the sexual immorality. And he goes a step farther and he says that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Now, I don't know if you know this, but a gift of the Holy Spirit is self-control. You have the ability to control yourself. You have the ability to have self-control, which means I've, never, I've heard a couple guys say to me recently, I just couldn't stop myself. And I went, get a hold of yourself. Man, I didn't actually hit him, okay? But like, think about it. That's like me saying like, I don't know why I just did that. Well, obviously, I had a thought. My brain pan triggered my neurological systems to make my nerves make my leg move and twitch with my muscles, yeah? So you actually have the ability to be self-controlled. Some of us, we like to go, I just, I just couldn't help myself. You could have. You made a choice. And so God's saying, I want you to choose holiness. I want you to choose honor. I want you to choose the thing that won't be sexual immorality, but that will be sexual purity, which will make you a weirdo in this culture. Will make you weird if you live this way. So God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. So if we were to sit at Taco Bell after this, I'd be like, How's your, are you pure? Are you living a pure life? And you're like, well, what does that mean? So we'll just start at the top of our body, work our way down. In your mind, is it pure? Are we thinking pure thoughts? Are you sitting at the end of the day? What are you, what's going through the ticker? What are you dwelling on in your thoughts? Because the thought life will drive the word life, the, the, the eye life, the heart life. What are you thinking about? The Bible's gonna tell us that we should think on what's lovely, what's pure, what's noble, what's heavenly, and not what's on earth. That's hard to do, is it not? You are not called for impurity, but holiness. What are you looking at? What are you looking at with your, just literally, physically with your eyeballs, what are you staring at all day? What are you studying? What are you letting come into your heart? What's coming out of your mouth? Is your mouth pure? Because you, you can say all day and be here, I'm glad you're here, I love Jesus. But you know what says I love Jesus even more? A pure mouth that loves his wife well, that works hard at work, and isn't it about self-gain? That says something. And Paul's saying that. It's, it feels really practical. It doesn't feel spiritual. But here's the reality. To say that I belong to Jesus, it will explode into real life, working life, marriage life, kids life. 
finance life. My words, my thoughts, my eyes, my heart. God has not called us for impurity, but holiness. Whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. If we stopped long enough, and I'm not going to make a stop again, and you just invited God to put his thumb on a place of impurity, do you know what it is in your life? And if you know what it is, you need to get with him today and say, God, how do I remove that impurity? You can join the Lord in this work of walking in holiness. Now, all of you are looking very somber all of a sudden, but here's the reality. The will of God for you is what? Holiness. You now know. Now you know. And now that you know, when you come up to a moment this week where you're like, that will produce in me. If I watch that show, I'm going to see sex, drugs, alcohol, and murder. Maybe not watch the show. But you're like, but everybody's watching the show, God. Which one are you going to go with? What the Word said or what your heart's saying? Well, the Word says this, so let's be doers of it, which means we've walked out of movies. Me and Anna have walked out of movies. So we're, we're not watching that. We have... We, we watched Parks and Rec because it's, there's no cussing and they don't sleep together. You're like, that's boring. That's an old show. I would much rather have holiness and closeness to Jesus than anything the world offers. I've said it this way so many times. If the computer is a problem for a man or woman in this room, you take that computer, open the window, and chuck it. And you're like, my MacBook? Yeah. Holiness over any convenience. Closeness to God over anything. This is the will of God, your sanctification. So that's one. Now you know that's the will of God. He says it again in chapter 5. Go to chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to wait 12 to 18. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone for evil, but, for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Did you hear it? This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. And it's not one thing, holiness, it's a list of things. So now we actually have a framework to look at life. What's God want me to do? He wants you to do these things. So let's walk through some of them. Respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. This one will irk some American Christians. The way that the church of Jesus is set up is that there are elders and overseers. Can I tell you that our elders and overseers, we are blessed to have them? And that's not because I'm one of them. It sounds a little self-serving, but I'm preaching. I thank God that I get to sit underneath those men. I thank God that God brought the giftings and the backgrounds that we have with those dudes. And the reality is the American church, the sheep of the American church, love to bite their leaders. And if you want to follow taught by the word, he actually says, respect and honor those who admonish you. No one likes to be admonished. I don't like to be told when I'm wrong. Anybody love to be told when they're wrong? You, you respond well to that? That's what he's talking about. 
The men and men and women of God, leaders here in this church, when they come alongside of us, it's like, yes, God, thank you for your provision. Being under authority is a gift. It's a gift. And he follows that up with admonish the idol. So in this church, the Thessalonica church, they believed Jesus was gonna show up at any moment. I believe Jesus could show up at any moment. They were so convinced of it. And here's the reality about that thought. Jesus is coming back. It does two things in two different kinds of people. Number one, if you're this type of person, you're like, Jesus is coming back. I gotta go win every soul. I gotta go use every situation. I gotta run hard. It should motivate you. I wanna be found not wanting, but waiting and serving my master when he returns. But it does an opposite thing, and that's what he's yelling at. If you believe Jesus is gonna show up at any moment, it also can produce, well, I guess I'll just sit here and wait. Come on, where, where are you? And that's when he says, admonish the idol. He says, admonish them, which is not a heavy-handed, like, come on. It's a, you got this. Come run with the Lord until he returns. That's admonishment. It's an encouraging word in the Greek. It's like, come and run and don't give up, but serve until you can't serve anymore. Come and run with Jesus and destroy the things of the devil. He does not want us just sitting here idly. There's work for you to do in the Lord. Did you know that? And here's the thing, some of you don't believe me. You're like, no, there's work for you to do. No, every person in here, you were created by God, a workmanship, it says. So picture God painting an art, an art piece. That's you, and created to do good works in advance. God has stuff for you to do. You. And it might, don't, don't think like, oh, I'm gonna be a missionary and save a whole country. I mean, God just might want you to raise your kids to love Jesus, and you will have done what he called you to do. God might want you to go to work, man, and be a killer businessman, but honor the kingdom of God there, and you will have done. So don't think just spiritual. Think work hard, raise kids, give money to things that matter for the kingdom of God, and you could be doing, but don't just sit. Don't just hoard. Don't just pleasure. Like, don't just pleasure and just comfort. What's God want to do with you? He might lead you. Go walk the streets of Miami and share the gospel. He might lead you to do a quiet life where you work hard and you love people well when you have the opportunity. Admonish the idol. Encourage the faint-hearted. Anybody know any faint-hearted people? People that the world's just like pushing down? It feels like the world's just beating them, right? God actually just told you what you get to do. Go encourage them. Go lift them up. And I'll put this real practically. If you ask God for a name this week, I believe he'll give you one. God, who's somebody I can encourage? Bing. I want you to write a letter to them and tell, you, tell them what you see God doing in their life. You're like, that's really, do that. That's actually doing the encouraging that you just read about. Or think about it this way. When have you been most encouraged in your life? Who, who did it? What did they say? How did they do it? Go be that person. Go encourage your fellow brothers and sisters if they're faint-hearted. And I'm gonna bring Mark Fitzgerald back into this. Do you know what's really hard? Having a debilitating disease for years on end. It's hard on him and it's hard on his wife. So you know what faint-hearted looks like? Them. So you know what my job is and your job is? Is to encourage the faint-hearted and go, God hasn't abandoned you. Your body might fail the rest of your life, Mark, but God's given you a new one and we're gonna dance one day. Encourage the faint-hearted. That's a work you all can do. 
except some of us love to be Debbie Downer. Some of us love to go, well, Satan's really got you by the hair, and like, stop it. Speak the true things of God over people. Encourage the faint-hearted. People are faint-hearted these days. Life is hard. Finances are like strict. The world is losing its collective, ever-loving mind. The people of God look into all that and go, there's an encouragement here from God for you. Help the weak. Help the weak. The reality is the church of Jesus Christ operates a lot like the Pharisees with the, good, or the Samaritan that was beat up. We're so busy running after the things of God, I gotta get to that prayer meeting that we go right past the guy that really needs the help. When the Bible says help the weak, what does that mean? Literally, help them. They don't have money to pay their bills, pay it. They can't have a car, so you need to drive them something? Drive them. This is helping people that are literally too weak to carry their own load. And you go, well, American mindset is, well, they should be strong enough. That is not a Christian mindset. The Christian goes, are you weak? Well, I feel a little stronger there. I'll help carry you. The Christian mindsets go, I'm, I was weak, but God made me strong. Help, I'll help you. Help the weak. Money, groceries, make somebody a meal. You're like, this, this doesn't even feel like spiritual stuff. A good meal and a little prayer can do a great thing for a soul. Help the weak. Encourage the faint-hearted. And here's the one that I think God put in here just for me. Be patient with them all. Do you ever get annoyed with somebody because they're not getting it together fast enough? No one wants to be honest anymore. That's fine. This is in here because when someone's weak, we expect them to get strong on our timeline. And when they don't, we get impatient, we get unhelpful, and we don't want to encourage them anymore because you're like, this is your fault. God says be patient with all of them. The weak ones, the belligerent ones, the faint-hearted ones, the poor ones, the rich ones. Be patient with all of them. And I don't know about you, but the word all means all of them. Patience is a gift from the Lord, is it not? And so some of us, what the word's gonna do right now is like, you're not a patient person. And so what the word's doing is, it's going, you should be patient, and it's a mirror. It's showing you your impatience. And what you wanna do is like, well, gosh darn it, I'm gonna be patient this week. That's not what you do. What you do is you go before God and go, God, your word just revealed that I should be patient, and I'm not. I'm sorry. Holy Spirit, produce in me the patience and love and long-suffering of God. That's step one. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So our world operates the opposite of that. If they do evil to me, I'm doing evil to them. That is not the image Jesus gave us. Actually, the image in the words of Jesus are, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. This is almost impossible in an earthly mindset. This is impossible for an unregenerate man without the Holy Spirit to do. Because our world, I don't know about you, when I was in high school, if you punched me, I'm gonna punch you back. That's how the world operates. That's not how Christians do. Always seek to do good to everyone. So he starts close. Seek to do good to your, your brothers and your sisters. 
in the faith, seek to do good, bless each other, love each other. And then he adds that word that we hate. And to everyone, even Suzanne, you know the lady at work that gossips all the time and stole your stapler? Suzanne? Do good to her. Do good to her. Bless her. Don't curse her. Pray for those that persecute you. Bless those that like, do evil against you in my name. Like, this is the words of Jesus. This is really taught by the word, led by the Spirit. And this really reveals how far we get away from the teachings of Jesus because we're like, oh no, they deserve this. Well, I deserved a whole heck of a lot. And then I met the Son of God and he gave me everything I didn't deserve. So what are you gonna give people that deserve it when you've been given so much? Do not give evil for evil, but do good to everybody. If we left here and we're like, you know what? I'm gonna show the goodness of God and the favor of God to every human being I meet till the day I die. You will do more for the kingdom than any much of preaching that you think you can do. If we would just do this, bless people, don't curse them. Pray for people, don't talk behind their back. Do good, not evil. And then he says three things which are, I believe, impossible unless you are saturated and rooted in the goodness of God. Rejoice always. What's the word always mean? Thanks, guys. My English teacher told me I'm not allowed to use the word in the definition. But always means everywhere, right? It means all the time in any situation. You lose the job. What do you do? You're like, you're trying. <laughs> I know we know it. That's, hard. You, that, that's not a normal human reaction, right? Oh, you hate me because I love Jesus? That's not normal. Oh, cancer diagnosis? Thank you, God, that I get to suffer like you. I'm in prison? Thank you, God, I have an opportunity to share the God. That is not normal. And we are not a normal people because we have been saved by a supernatural, almighty God who wants to produce that in you. And here's the reality. This, we're talking about the will of God, right? This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. Rejoicing always is part of God's plan for you. It might not be present right now, but God tells us things he wants to do. And John Johnson has said this before, God doesn't do unfunded mandates. So a blessed woman in the Lord, Becky Maglich, some of you know her, she always says to me, the Lord's will the Lord's bill. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if God says rejoice always, he's not going, you best rejoice. He's going, I want to produce a spirit in you that will. I want you to so root yourself in the gospel of my son Jesus that when these things happen, a soul saturated in the reality of the gospel will rejoice. The disciples, when they are flogged, do you know what they say? How lucky are we that we get to suffer like our Lord. That's insane, is it not, on a natural level? So there's something supernatural with all these. And if you try to make these in your life by physical means, they'll ruin you. You'll become a Pharisee. Because some of you will have the willpower to do it, but the Spirit produces these things. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. So some of us have heard that command our whole life. I used to hear that and be like, well, it's impossible, so I'm not even gonna try. Like, you should be praying right now. You should just, sorry, I'm praying. 
I don't know if that's actually what the, it's, it's, it's talking about inviting God in every moment, in every situation to be a part of what you're doing. I want God everywhere, guys. I want the wisdom of heaven when I'm in a meeting. I was in a meeting the other day and I was frustrated. I literally went like this and prayed and I was like, God, help me. I don't feel the love of God here. Help. And then he did. I'm walking the street and I see somebody. I'm like, God, is there anything you want to say to that person? I'm at home and me and Anna are getting a little, we never fight. We were kind of getting a little tense. And I was like, God, help me be a husband that's like you, that loves my wife like God loved the church, that lays his life down for his wife. And I fail all the time. So what it's an invitation is the God of heaven, the holy, holy, holy God has invited us to talk to him, which means God literally has said in his word, I want to hear from you. He told us all these parables of come and bug me. What parent says that? Right? Literally, the persistent widow is a widow coming to a door and going, hey, 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 hey. And God's like, yeah, you should pray like that. So pray without ceasing is not you willpowering yourself up to never not be muttering under your breath. Pray without ceasing is I want to take every situation of my life and I want to bring it to God. God, what do you want me to do in my sex life? God, what do you want to do with my finances? God, what do you want me to do in this meeting? God, I need help with these finances. God, I really need help in my marriage. Like that's, that's pray without ceasing. It's not this fake idea. You believe that if you're not praying 24-7 a day, you're somehow failing God. That's not the command. The command is always be bringing back to God all that's going on in your life. Hear me, though. God told us to do this in his word. He wants to hear from you. We get to talk to God. That blows my mind. That blows my mind some days more than salvation. Yeah, you saved me, but you don't really want to talk with me. No, pray without ceasing. And then finally, equally hard, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. You know what a hard command is? Well, that one. Is it hard to say thank you, God, when things aren't good? When the job, when you got canned at work? When the diagnosis comes? When things didn't pan out the way that you thought they should? It's hard to say thank you. But the people of God are invited to view situations and view the earth and view life from God's perspective. So my body is going to fail me the rest of my days. So if it fails me, I get to go, God, thank you that I get to live a weakness. May your power rest on me. That's a perspective from heaven. When finances are not that great, I get to quote Paul and learn, I have learned the secret of being content in all things. In having much or having little, my, my sufficiency is Jesus. That's a hard thing to learn. How are we doing with that? You giving thanks all the time? So I'm going to give a testimony. It's not even mine. I'm Dave, I'm about to out you. Cool. Uh, David had a rough week, like just with some like physical stuff happening last week with like his chest and stuff. Um, and so we were praying for him. And he was feeling some anxiety. Sorry, Dave. And he's on the phone with his wife in a meeting we were in. And she says, hey, I just got this picture of you worshiping in the sanctuary. And now Dave's a worshiper. I don't know if you know that. I'm almost going to cry. I love you, man. I'm so glad God brought you here. So glad. Oh, man. Woo. And so Dave 
as a worshiper, I think the thing Satan wants to attack is worship. And so maybe a health scare hits, and you know what first thing to go is the worship. That's what Satan's plan is. He wants the first thing to go is the thanksgiving of God's people. So something hit Dave's life, and Katie, who's his wife, praying for him and prophetically says, God sees you worshiping. Then me and Jeremiah get on speakerphone and say, God wants you to fight this, Dave. And literally, I was like, where'd Dave go? And then I could hear worship erupting in this room, and it was just Dave by himself shouting praises to God. Regardless, you hear him say it? If this is his last day, God gets his best. That's this. Thanks for letting me be, you be an example. Will you give thanks even when it doesn't make sense? Because God's good even when it's not good down here. God is good. And so if you're going to live this out, this is the will of God for you. Holiness and all those things. So now you know. What's God want from you? You now have a list. You now have a list. And there's some practicals in here really quick as we end. Um, when we talk about producing these things, these aren't produced by you. These are produced by the Holy Spirit, which Jesus gave. And so what, if you're realizing, man, I don't pray. I'm not thankful. I'm not rejoicing. I am giving evil for evil. The word is doing what it's supposed to do. It's revealing your heart. It's laying you bare before God. And the solution is, don't let me hide that. The solution is, God, I've been outed by your word. Your word says I should be thankful, and I'm not. Your word says that I should rejoice, and I can't. Holy Spirit, enable me. Help me. I repent, and I come back to you in faith. I'm weak. You're strong. That's what the word does. Not, you better go fix yourself. No, it's God, please produce this in my heart. And then secondly, when we make decisions, we get all amped up about, is this the right one or is this the right one? Well, will you be able to walk in holiness in that one? I'd go with that one. Will this one lead you into a selfish financial state? Don't go with that one. So it's less about the, the real detailed, God's got to tell me the exact path, and I'm going to walk in holiness no matter what path I go on. And I'm going to rejoice and thank and serve no matter which one it is. And I'm going to trust God in that. So let's do this. Let's pray and invite the team up. I talked long because that's my MO. You have now heard the word of God. And we are taught by the word and we are going to be doers of the word. So you, I'm going to sit you before God and I'm going to ask him to put his thumb on something that you just heard. And then I want you to ask him what you should do with it. Maybe you need to just go be an encourager all week. Maybe you need to restart, re-rev your prayer life this week. Maybe you need to repent for being so full of bitterness over a situation that was done to you. So if you want, if you want to bow your heads, Lord, thank you for your word. I thank you that it is living and active. I thank you for this body. I thank you for what you're doing here, which no man or woman could do. Only you can. So I invite your presence. It never left. You've never left us we just give you our full attention right now. We heard your word and we don't want to just hear, we want to do it. So Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you come with each person, would you put your finger on any impurity? 
you called us to holiness. Would you reveal in our hearts what you don't want to be there? And would you gently give us a way out? Show us what to do. Cobblestone would be known as a people that rejoice about everything. That we give you thanks at the drop of a pen. Thank you for breath in our lungs. Thank you, God, for another day to know you and love people in your name. Thank you, God, for this gathering this morning. Thank you, thank you, and thank you again. Teach our hearts thankfulness. Teach our hearts to rejoice. And Father, I ask for that Holy Spirit wrought activity, that you would so stir us up, you would so root us in the truth, that you are good no matter what, that that would happen this week. You would produce it, because you called us to it, you're faithful to produce it. I pray, and I actually ask against that willpower-driven thing, where we think we're going to earn it and that we would collectively rest in your love this week. So church, I'm gonna leave you right there in that prayerful state. And you are, we're gonna step back into worship. And I would encourage you not to go fast, just to take your time. As we start to sing, you are free. You can, you can go, you can come get prayer. Uh, you can stand and worship for an hour. You can lay on your face and talk with Jesus. But all of it, is we heard the word, let's go live it, and don't be afraid to be led by the Spirit. Pray for somebody this week. Love you. Jesus loves you more. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.